Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome along to the show. I'm glad you could join me as I get the chance to speak with Sasha V. Now, before we get into the interview, I will play a little excerpt of it, which is when Sasha sang me a little bit of a song that she had written. So I'll sing a little bit of my own song, Hey Sugar. Hey Sugar, mm. ooh, a honey. Hey, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. If you ask me how I was riding on the moon last night With a little twinkle in my eye, I'd say I never felt so high There's a little gold on my shoulder, on my shoulder, alright I flick a little dust on you, cause you're riding on the moon tonight And I say Hey, sugar, mm, ooh, honey, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get straight into the interview, but if you enjoy this, you might want to check out some of the earlier ones in the back catalog. She's got a fundraising campaign going on right now, so we recorded this and I'm releasing it pretty quickly after doing that because I want to support what she's doing. Also, make sure you check out the show notes because I've put in links there to all the things that we talk about, including the Pledge Me campaign, which at the time of recording this is live, but only for about five more days. It would be really great to gather around her and support this endeavor in our community, which ultimately will benefit all of us. Now let's get into this conversation with Sasha. So it's a pleasure to welcome Sasha V, who's a musician and platinum-selling artist and also the founder of Soul Music Academy. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I love to have a variety of people on the show. You know, like every week the listener's going to be like, oh, that's a, that's a different story. So in your case, I'd love to learn about music and what your plans are for here in Christchurch and mm-hmm. what you see the future might be like. Um, but with every every person I interview, I always try to go back into the past so we can tell a bit of the story about why they do what they do. So in your case, if we could just rewind and just hear a bit about your childhood and where you're from. Sure. Um, well, I actually was born in Reefton in the West Coast. Right. Um, so the first five years of my life was on a farm. And um, I think that was quite influential because I thought, you know, I'm going to marry a farmer one day. And it's quite funny. As soon as I turned 13, I was like, definitely not. (laughs) That's not happening. (laughs) Um, So what had taken you to Reefton? Was it your dad's job? Yeah, so my father was a detective on the police force. um, And my mother actually was um, wanting to be a policewoman. Um, and back when that was um, when she wanted to apply, they were only expect- accepting two police officers into the force mm. a year, and um, she got um, w- was one of those. Um, but they would only take one every six months. So um, this was before I was born. But mm. um, so come from a, a kind of a police background, mm-hmm. and um, and then at one point, my father was offered to take over the family farm which was in Reefton. Uh-huh. So um, dad left his job in Christchurch and um, 
moved to Reefton, um, and that was where I was born. Right. And we spent five years over there. And unfortunately, the the thing, the sheep markets and things wasn't very good at that time. Right. It was the late eighties, mm-hmm. and so um, we decided to move back to Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he came back, did he continue as the police or? So he um, decided to become a private investigator. And so that was quite um, unusual at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think there were many in town. Uh, so, yeah, he, it's quite, I think I get a lot of motivation and a lot of um, drive from my father, mm. um, kind of picking up from from nothing and actually going door knocking and and building the business that he has. So he was quite entrepreneurial, it sounds like, like taking his so. background, but then applying it in that way. Yeah, and yeah. so his family is from Holland. So um, his parents came out um, early on, just after the war, mm-hmm. um, and made a life for themselves over here. Right. And um, my mother's um, family is, um, mother's mother is from Christchurch, mm-hmm. um, but my mother's father is from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, so, really diverse backgrounds. Yeah, <laughs> quite, quite diverse. So, yeah. um, what was it like then as a child? Like, take us back to the Reefnan days and and you know early childhood. Were some of those influences? Do you remember that being a part of your childhood? Like all these different sources of culture and tradition. Um, definitely more so. Um, yeah, um, more so from my grandfather, grandpa um, Simpson Gillen. Mm-hmm. who some some um, big cricket fans might know as he played for the West Indies in New Zealand. Mm. Um, he was very much a musician himself and just loved to play. And so I, he would always sing around us. So right. um, whenever he was around, I'd be on his knee on the piano with him. So mm. um, singing lots of Caribbean um, calypso songs. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, that was that was awesome, and then having that um, also the Dutch side, a very kind of traditional, mm-hmm. um, going to church and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so it was quite a, quite an interesting balance. Yeah, quite a dynamic. Mm. And were you old enough to sort of know that? Do you remember being told we're moving back to Christchurch, or were you pretty young still? Yeah, I think I, I had no idea. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, we grew up in um, in St Albans, so I, I remember mm-hmm. our house in Claremont Ave. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. And the music side of things, because that's what we're going to talk a lot about. Is that where you trace it back to your grandfather, and like that was the first realization that you loved music? Or? Definitely. I think it wasn't really ever a realization. I think it was always just a part of our lives. Right. We always had music on in the house, so. Um, yeah, I think it was just quite a natural thing. It was. It wasn't actually ever anything that I would think would be my career. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember thinking I'm going to be a singer when I grow up. Right. Like it. It really didn't. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of what we did. Not even like Mariah Carey posters or something like that. Was that that not, wasn't no, like no, not at yeah, all. Because that would have been the era, I guess. Of she was pretty big in the like around the age you definitely know, i had like backstreet boys and stuff yeah. like that on my you know it was mainly guys on yeah my, right. my wardrobe <laughs> <laughs> wasn't really so you weren't girls. like oh one day i'll be like this uh this singer no it was huh. it was quite yeah i think i was into it because it was quite a sport family mm-hmm. sporting family and so um 
yeah, I was kind of into my netball and and um, also into my tennis and um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I tried water polo. I've kind of done oh, lots of dancing actually. Dancing was kind of more my focus. Okay. Mm. In terms of like ballet or contemporary or just whatever? Kind of a bit of everything, but I definitely enjoyed jazz and hip hop the most. Okay. Yeah. So it was, that was kind of my main focus. So that and sport. And then I was always in some kind of a musical um, choir or barbershop or right. the production at school. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at that early age, like sort of, I think we're up to sort of early teenage years and things were you starting to write your own music or your own lyrics and things, or was it about being part of the choir? And, and um, I think I was dabbling. I always played piano. I, I learned from an early age. Right. So um, I think I was dabbling, kind of working out songs, but again, not really taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was 14 and I badly injured my ankle on a, in a, um, a trial for Canterbury. Ah. Um, um, netball and I was out for six months and at the time I was playing saxophone and I wasn't very good at saxophone and I realized I wouldn't get into the jazz band as quick as I'd like <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I trialed as a as a singer for the jazz band ah. at St Andrews College uh-huh. and um, yeah and then that, that kind of started my singing career right yeah. So just talk through now, you know, with, with hindsight, it's easy to look back. So I just want to understand the ankle injury and what that meant for you at the time that it happened. And then with hindsight, looking back at what it's led into. Mm. Have you reflected on that? Because that's I, those points in people's lives where you think if, you know, if you'd had a perfect trial and you'd gotten into the team and you'd just done your netball thing, like what would the sliding doors, right? The, the alternate mm. realities like. Yeah, I know it's it's quite interesting to think about that. I have I have dwelled on it, but I don't think I've really given it. I mean, the only thought I've given it was I probably wouldn't have made it mm. <laughs> to the netball. I mean, I wasn't getting any taller, mm-hmm. and um, I'd already already gone from goal shoot to wing attack to wing defense, and I just you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it probably wasn't going to happen. So it was probably fate, mm. maybe. Yeah. But if you hadn't twisted your ankle and you kept persevering with the netball thing, I know. And then you hadn't trialed to sing, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's quite fascinating. Exactly. And usually, when I interview people, there are these points in their life where there's a fork in the road, and it's like, Hmm. wow, that that had a big impact. Yeah, because I missed out on all my dancing exams. Right. Um, I was also actually doing aerobics. Ah. I was um, doing aerobics competitions. Um, I look back at some of my costumes and they're hilarious, like yeah. those 80s, like, not that it, it, that like, wasn't in the 80s, but I was wearing like 80s leotards and right. quite, kind of <laughs> very high, and, yeah, right, <laughs> high around the hips and um, yeah, that was actually really exciting, I was getting um, trained by, I think her name was Erica Shoulders, I'm not sure whether that, that was her correct name, but she was mm-hmm. a international um, um, and national aerobics champion, right, um, so yeah, that that ankle injury just really put me out completely. Mm. Um, but I think what was wonderful about St Andrews College at the time, I was one of the first girls to go there. Right. It was when they opened the doors at, at um, year nine, um, and there was only thirty of us girls to I think 
three or four hundred boys. And so we kind of just could do anything that we liked in terms of, you know, if you wanted to play anything, you were kind of directly in the A-team. Right. <laughs> because it was so <laughs> limited. So I think because of that and, and because of the way that um, St Andrews is set up, or in most schools, I think you're you're encouraged to just try lots of different things and right. be involved in lots of things. And um, so it kind of becomes your whole life mm. when you're at at a school like St Andrews because you're kind of doing everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So just talk us through the, the jazz singing and, and things like that. So that was your first real experience of like, I'm a singer now. Yeah. So I think my grandfather, grandpa was just so stoked right. <laughs> <laughs> although he did spend a lot of time telling me that the band was too loud um and he couldn't hear me sing okay um so was it singing jazz standards and very much sings? i think yeah. my first one was never know how much i love you fever um i've got you under my skin it's a great song um, <laughs> and so um Michael Lawrence was the music teacher at the time, fabulous man Mm -hmm. um, and so encouraging. And so with that band, we would pretty much do every school assembly, much to my younger brother's dislike. They would always slide down their seats. (laughs) (laughs) I could never spot them in the crowd because they were always worried what I would say on the microphone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we got to do things like um, open for the Steffi Graf tennis match right. at Westpac Trust Centre huh. um, and lots of different wine and food festivals. They, they just got us out and about doing concerts everywhere. Right. And um, and then that led to uh, the the National Jazz Festival, which was always held in Tauranga. And they do a competition up there. And um, the year, I was 16 at the time, and I won the New Zealand Jazz Vocalist Award. Hmm. And I... I think it was that moment coming back on the aeroplane with the award in my hands. I thought, oh, this I think is I'm going to be thing. a singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is this is what, what I'm going to do. Huh. So um, it was that moment, that yeah. realization. Wow. So quite and, late, yeah. I think. Yeah. So you when did you start that jazz band? Was it like 14 or 15? Yes. Like it was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Mm. And so what, what happened next? Like that moment happens on the plane as you're flying back what what does that mean in terms of next steps yeah so um i started taking it a lot more seriously um i actually got another i had it was tutored being tutored by nomi ferguson who's a fabulous singing teacher uh, singing performer extraordinaire lady in town Mm -hmm. um who would be wonderful to interview as well actually um and then i was also getting trained by a classical teacher um, for basically for the the bursary exams. So I, and then through, I think her, I was getting in touch with a few industry people, but there wasn't many people to talk about, uh, talk to about the industry at the time. And so um, we're talking um, 20 years ago or so. And Mm. so having a music career or the thought of being, Coming from Christchurch, and yeah, was doing just that. like no one. I mean, at the time it was Hayley Weston, right? Right. She made some massive waves, but mm-hmm. you know, my family or close friends, no one was really linked to any 
music industry people. So right. it was very much an unknown subject world, mm. um, very mysterious. Mm. Uh, and I guess the 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 obvious was to um, go to music school. But straight after school, I actually went to Durham in England mm. for a gap year. Right. And um, was at a school over there for a year. And that was, yeah, it was quite cool to get that worldly experience at 17. Mm. Mm. Um, what made you decide to do that? I think, I don't know, it just was just a just something that was available. Remember, and did, did someone say, oh, you should think about this? Or like, was there a conversation? Or it just sort of just happened? I think a couple of the students um, before me who were a bit older than me had... Mm through family friends had done this gap year and were just raving about it. Right. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. And mm-hmm. I had a, a close friend of mine do it, join, and we, we both went over together. Right. And um, I think it was fabulous. I think everyone, every student should do it mm. straight after school because mm. it gives you kind of, you come back and you want to study or mm. you want to do something because mm-hmm. you've just Rather had than a, feeling like you're in a line that's headed straight to this is what you must do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even yeah. more more years off, you know. I think yeah. rushing into study is, you know, if you're not quite sure, it's it's so much better to go and actually see the world, talk to people, and because mm. there's so but, many more jobs out there than you than you realize. Mm-hmm. And often there's. Um, you don't know yourself yet either. Exactly. Do you? <laughs> exactly. And for me, I actually finished high school here in Christchurch and then I went to Canterbury University straight away but I did go to Japan for a year Amazing. after a couple of years of study and when I look back and I think of my time at university versus the one year in Japan mm-hmm. and how much I changed in that one year you mm-hmm. know like having to learn about money and apartments and cooking and all this all the skills the life skills mm-hmm. and dealing with people and getting a job and all those things like I learned so much more from that one year in Japan than, than anything else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I was very naive. I mm. think it took me about three months to work out that if I didn't come home after a night partying, my parents wouldn't find out. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a, so, you know, I just, yeah. I think because you're, I came, come from quite a strict family. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And you're, in your when you're overseas, your senses come up, you know, mm. these things that you've never felt before. Like oh, I'm, a, I'm alone mm. in this country mm-hmm. and I've got to have one eye on the back of my head at all times. Mm. You know, it's just that, that, that. Yeah, no, I hear you. For me, it was, I was flying to Japan. I didn't speak Japanese. And I remember being in the airplane and it was coming down into Singapore and I'd never been to Singapore before. And I remember looking out the window thinking, it's just me, you know, like yeah. there's no one else here. <laughs> yeah. And probably also, wow, that's a big city. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, yeah. Oh, it's interesting. And were you continuing with singing through this time or? Yes. I had a wonderful opportunity over there to join the, the, the choir for the, it was <laughs> for the school and very different, very different to, um, over here because all the teachers sing in the choir too. And um, my first experience was was quite overwhelming. We got we all got given handed a requiem. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever heard the word requiem before in my life. <laughs> and um, we were singing in the Durham Cathedral 
uh, church, which is just extraordinary. It was filmed with uh, during Harry Potter. Um, so we're standing there with our recreams and then the organ starts and we're, I'm sight reading. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, 50 pages long. <laughs> and I'm just completely lost, completely lost, but just overwhelmed by this incredible sound around me. Mm. And then we got to the end and I said... Um, gosh, how long have you been to the girl next to me? How long have you been singing this for? Thinking like, they must have been working on this for months. And they said, oh, that was our first time. So everyone was sight reading. Wow. And I just was like pure shock, completely different. Yeah. Um, So the skill level was through the roof. It's incredible. Incredible. And I, yeah, there were some local jazz competitions and things like that that I entered and Mm -hmm. and was... um, uh, successful at those so it mm-hmm. just kind of kept on reassuring the fact that yes this is something that I would like to do yeah but I was also doing television oh, okay because at St Andrews College they have this whole broadcasting unit hmm. so actually at age 16 I was the local presenter for CTV oh. youth presenter uh-huh. and then I actually went to um, South Africa on a performing arts tour with St Andrews and I filmed a documentary huh. over there. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. Yeah. So I actually thought I was going to be a broadcaster. Right. A, a presenter. Ah. Might be something that I do one day, but um, Yeah. Well they're aligned, aren't they? Mm. Sort of um yeah, presenting and using your voice and all those things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh that's interesting. Yeah. And did you um I don't know about you, but New Zealand's a pretty young country and Sometimes, like, I lived in England for three years, and I remember going to St. Paul's Cathedral and hearing the choir in that space. Mm. It was just, it, it, somehow the acoustics of the venue, you know, it just amplified the sound. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Did you have any experiences like that or, or notice that? Oh, yeah. Do, I mean, I think that, that first experience and mm. then having that whole year to, to sing with them was mm. quite an you know, extraordinary experience. Um Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So tell me just um, about music itself, because I'm just interested, always talking with people who love a certain thing. Like, what is it that you love about singing? Can you easily explain that? Gosh, I feel like I can express myself better through singing than through speaking. Mm -hmm. I feel very, I've always had an issue with finishing a song and then having to speak because I feel like it comes from two different, well, it does come from two different sides of your brain. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could sing you the newspaper better than I could speak it to you. Right. I feel like I'm almost dyslexic with, with speaking, but with singing, it's just so natural mm-hmm. and I'm so confident with it. It's just, yes, I don't know whether that answers it, no, your question. But yeah, it does. It, it, it conveys a deeper a deeper part of you, it sounds like, the mm, singing. Mm. Yeah. I think singing is, um, you, you use your body. Mm. So your body is your instrument mm-hmm. when you sing. And there is a lot of anxiety and everything that's um, in that. So um, when I'm teaching, a lot of my teaching is confidence building mm. to allow someone to just get the sound out of their body. Mm-hmm. 
uh, from a young age, you, um, you know, you're playing with your toys and you're screaming and you're laughing and you're doing things. And then all of a sudden, at some point, someone will go, shh, you know, and you, all of a sudden you're aware that you're making sound. So there's this point for um, humans along the way in your development that you become a, more aware of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately for some people, that singing part or that noise part gets shut down and they only feel that they can speak. But actually when you're speaking, you're using the same instrument mm-hmm. just in a different way. Yeah, that's true. It's it's a good reminder, I think, for people as well to because it's it's funny in our contemporary society it's not really something that there's public places for singing you know mm. or or for expressing yourself in that way although mm. i guess with the the advent of reality tv shows and x factor type things there's it's become more available yeah exactly mm. i think it's it's it, it we're we're actually built to sing we're mm. built to we've got this instrument inside us mm. You know, and you think about other cultures that just so freely sing. Mm. And a lot of the time, you know, a lot of people find themselves quite jealous of the fact that they can't do that. But it's just because they haven't used it. Mm. So you broke into song before with the little jazz standards, the one line or two. Do you have a favorite verse or something that you could sing for us? Oh. Um, I'm just thinking even or like a wayata or something that uh, really is one of your favorites oh my goodness you can think about it and we can come back can we to do it. that yeah that's Just fine yeah. I, um yeah I've, yeah there's so many that there's I... so many yeah <laughs> <laughs> i figured well let's come let's come back to that but just continuing with your story you come back from england why don't you uh, sort of bring us through the next few years because yes. i'd love to talk about what you're doing now as well but yeah. i want to hear a bit about that journey yes absolutely um i came back and i had actually missed the audition for the New Zealand Broadcasting School. Okay. And that was actually my number one. And I was also looking at a performing arts school in Australia. Um, Anyway, I decided to go to ARA and do a music degree. And they actually accepted me into the second year straight away because of my experience already. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did my music degree in two years, which I don't know where there's... Maybe, <laughs> but um, so that was very fortunate. And mm-hmm. after that, I was already gigging and performing and um, uh, doing lots of weddings and events and mm-hmm. everything. So I was just really getting into the gigging scene. Yeah, doing probably about four or five gigs a week in, in Christchurch. Wow. Yeah, um, I was like the Sammy's Girls, Sammy Jazz Review. People remember that, and the first time that Fat Eddie's opened, hmm. um, I was the Fat Eddie's one of the Fat Eddie's singers. So if you were kind of during that time, you probably would have seen me. Um, and so singing, um, performing five gigs a week—that equates to about ten hours mm-hmm. a week. You get pretty um, confident in your ability and what you're doing, mm-hmm. and um, that's when I started writing. Actually, oh, okay. I thought. Because at that time I was a cover singer, mm-hmm. so I got all my skills, felt very confident with that, and then thought, if I'm going to become an artist, I need to write my own music. Right. So I started writing at that time, and and then was really fortunate to be the lead singer of a few different bands who were also writing original material. I see. So um, I actually built 
a lot of the start of my career based on collaborations. Mm -hmm. So I worked with the Oval Office. I worked with um, Departure Lounge. I worked with um, uh, a few hip hop um, guys along the way. Um, Devin Abrams from Pacific Heights. Mm -hmm. Um, State of Mind. So Mm -hmm. that was drum and bass. So just really just yeah, having... Yeah, variety of styles as well, it sounds of, like. Yeah, jazz, yeah. hip-hop, drum and bass, mm-hmm. and really branching out. And then that, because some of those songs did quite well, I was then invited to perform at the festivals and with the bands and right. building my profile that way. And then um, come 25, I had um, actually moved to Wellington mm-hmm. and I was doing my master's degree in music therapy hmm. because... You know, it was all, I think my parents were, again, and a lot of parents out there think that about creative children, Mm. you're drifting. Mm. What are you doing? Mm. Really? What are you doing with your life? Mm. You know, so I felt I had a, I had a very strong interest in music therapy, but Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, okay, I need to do my master's to really prove Mm. that. You've achieved something here in the, yeah, in the world's eyes. So that was kind of. That's a, that was actually quite an interesting little hump because mm. I feel like that took a lot of my time away that I could have just been writing and pursuing. and yeah. So instead of releasing my EP at 24 or 23, you know, I released it at 25. Mm-hmm. And it did actually quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, did a national tour that was sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that was asked to do Fly My Pretties tour. Mm. And so things were kind of snow, snowballing, but I, yeah, I did have two years of my life <laughs> in Wellington, met some incredible musicians and um, had a wonderful time performing there and doing things, yeah. um, but was very much studious and... Right, trying to tick the box that I've got my master's in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Well, people listening maybe can learn from your experience, you know, there's a wide variety of people listening and sometimes you do just have to get on with it and do the passion of, you know, what gives you the energy, don't you? I mean, that's why I've, I've set up Soul Music Academy because, right. you know, I'm I'm wanting to be the person that I needed mm. when I was starting out, be yeah. that person when I was 16, 17, going, well, how the heck do I do this thing? Yeah, what does this mean? Yeah. 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 Well, should we talk about Soul Music Academy? Because I'd love to learn more. Like, yeah. when did you... Um, when did you come up with the idea? Has it, has it been percolating for a while? Or? Absolutely. I think probably subconsciously from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, you know, when I'd released my EP and um, things were going pretty well for me, I had this meeting with um, a, a music manager at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was really interested in, in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But she said to me, um, I want you to be your own manager first. And I thought, oh, my God, once again, I'm left by myself, fending for myself. But I think looking back, that was probably one of the best things, best piece of advice that I was given. Because to be an artist or to, to be have a music career, you need to be in control. You need to be the person that's driving it, that has the music vision and and that's exactly the same as running your own business. And so I think that um, that is actually what I'm trying to, to provide the, mm. the, the, and to help parents also realize that mm. 
if if your child or if someone wants to be a musician or wants to have a music career, mm-hmm. you're actually an entrepreneur. You're actually mm-hmm. building your own business. And so that means that you need to have something that's going to sell and that that's someone, something that people want to come and listen to. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's actually the really important thing that I, I learned um, along the way. Um, I had six years I actually turned down the Fly My Pretties offer and went and did a, a, a the Voice of Holland in in Amsterdam, right? And was successful and got into the top ten over so there. Kind of back to your grandparents. Exactly. I had a Dutch passport. I thought I might yeah. as well use this yeah. and try my hand at a, at a career over there. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. I had six years of touring, and that's how I have a multi uh, platinum um, award with a, actually a Polish hip-hop rapper right <laughs> ostra o-s-t-r we won the um polish hip-hop album of the year award huh. um in 2017 great um so yeah we'll put some links in the show notes so people can find absolutely know, little so, references and- yeah so i think having that european career as well mm-hmm. being signed to um a uk label for mm-hmm. one album a japanese label i'm on for my last album, Sweet Soul Records. So I've done some tours over there. Right. Um, love Japan. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, having all of that international experience yeah. has allowed me to be very um, unafraid of the international market. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like you're able to draw on that experience and the background and the different things and the awards and the types of styles of music and all. And it's almost like now you can be a catalyst to help empower the next generation. And it sounds like it's taking the form of this academy. Is yeah, that right? Exactly. So yeah. um, along the way, I th- always thought, okay, well, my B plan is going to be some kind of performing arts, mm-hmm. something. And um, when I when I got to 32, I was still kind of going really hard with my artistry. And mm-hmm. I was kind of hitting a bit of a wall. I actually ended up with glandular fever. Uh which didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had already had like 11 years away from Christchurch. And mm-hmm. I just thought, I think it's time to come home. Right. And at that time, it was pretty tricky because I'd just been offered a, a deal in LA with a manager. Finally found a manager right. <laughs> that <laughs> was um, as passionate about my vision as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, it was just not the timing. It was kind of, I was moving on to another part of my life. Mm-hmm. And so um, came back to Christchurch and I thought, okay, well, actually now is the time. So what's missing in Christchurch? Well, again, the music industry, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to do something with the music industry, you, you, everyone's hanging up in, in Auckland mm-hmm. or overseas. So trying to develop a service, a boutique service um, that – that Christchurch talent, because there's so much of it, mm-hmm. can come and not only learn the skills-based things, but also, so we, at the moment we do sing, singing, songwriting and producing. Mm-hmm. Um, next year we're going to be doing theory and harmony and um, music business. And there's a big key on that because I want uh, people from to be able to access that music business knowledge and mm-hmm. understand that world mm-hmm. and demystify that whole world. Mm-hmm. And so we have the skills-based lessons, but then we also have the mentoring. So if you're wanting to record, release, 
and become an artist, we have an artist development program. Right. So we hold you your hand through that process, but you do it with us. Mm-hmm. So you it's not um, it's completely transparent. Mm. So you understand how to run your own music business. Mm. And what's important. Mm. Uh, often if you sign with a manager, the manager does it all for you. So once again, if you're dropped from that manager or dropped from that label, you have no idea where you're, mm. you know, how to run your business. Mm. So quite a lot of artists have had this amazing success and then been dropped and then disappeared. What do I do now? Because yeah. there's, they have no idea how, yeah. to, how to run it themselves. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, this is complete rabbit hole but i was speaking yesterday at my daughter's um careers planning day so she's 12 Mm. (laughs) so i went along so there's year sevens there there's quite a lot of them actually and they asked me just to talk about being a lawyer but one of the things i said to them and it kind of resonates with what you're talking about is there's one person that you're in charge of and that's yourself yes and it's about taking responsibility isn't it for your own career and your own path Mm -hmm. and making decisions and if I want to become a singer on a label, here's the path to get there. Here's the steps I need to take. To exactly, get there. exactly. Yeah. Because um, that's where a lot of musicians go go wrong, or mm. a lot of singers or artists or whatever. They are they don't understand their target market. Yeah, they don't know who is listening. So why that means they won't pick the right label to mm. pitch themselves as an artist to, mm-hmm. and therefore they'll be getting a no. Yeah, and that no. And feeling frustrated and maybe never singing again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Plenty, plenty. Plenty of like that. And so the satisfying thing, I'm just going to put words in your in your mouth because I think this is the case, but, you know, to see a young, talented person and to help them achieve their career, that must be immensely satisfying. It is so rewarding. I think um, what what is great about soul is that we have um i hire mentors to teach and they are all releasing music and they're all in the industry so Mm. um christchurch is quite small so and and there's not as many people uh, artists here but you know i'm trying my best to make sure that the artists that are here are Mm. involved in soul Because that is the most inspiring part. And then also we can all support each other. I'm going to be releasing another album. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's um, about having that community support of artists coming together, but also the the artists coming through. Mm-hmm. They can learn that there's heaps of lows, more lows than ups. Mm. And, you know, and you've just got to keep pushing on your passion. Persistence. Persistence. Yeah. Um, but I've just had some an amazing. Oh, it's just incredible. Couple, last couple of weeks with some students, mm-hmm. had one girl um, who's thirteen. I've been working with her for a couple of years, and we wrote a song together and put it into uh, an international songwriting competition. She got into the top ten and mm-hmm. was invited to Vienna hmm. concert hall to sing, and she took out the whole entire competition. Wow, Monet. Um, is her name and she is just extraordinary and I've also just had a a, I work with a tap dancer okay so it's entertainment business right so we've been working on building his profile and his socials and doing lots of um, videos Mm -hmm. building his YouTube Mm -hmm. and an Italian TV shows saw one of those videos and he's he's just been in Italy this week Hmm. performing on that show 
And so I've had someone in the Christmas in the Park performing um, own original. I had a girl up in uh, Roundhead Studios doing an album in Auckland mm. and something else. But it's just, it's just, you know, giving them like kind of not being the manager, but kind of being a manager, like kind of, it's, yeah. I like to call it mentor because yeah. it's just when you're, when you are being an artist or when you're trying to do this music thing, mm-hmm. you just need that support. You just need someone by you say, yeah. do that, not that, mm-hmm. you know, or bounce have, ideas around. Have you thought about you that? And yes, yeah. you can do it. You can totally do this. Yeah. You know, so it's just having that motivator. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I've got to introduce you to Matthew Goldsworthy from Youth Arts New Zealand. He's based in Auckland. I don't know if you know him. Oh, great. Yet. He's about, I think he's 19 now. He's been on the podcast um, but he set up this thing called Youth Arts New Zealand. Wow. And, what, and he wants to connect across the country to encourage young people with their artistic endeavors. Amazing. With, whether it's um, music, piano, musical things, but also poetry, painting, you know, like, um, yeah, it's it's really, it's a good initiative. So I'll definitely link Fantastic. you up. because he comes. He's, he's been down before and met up with some people, but it, it's, you're talking the same language. So, mm, <laughs> yeah, mm. that's cool. So um, right now, as we're talking, like this is a Wednesday, and I'm going to edit this and put it out soon because you have a campaign Great. going. Tell us a little bit about that and what's going on. Yeah, so I've been working outside in, in, in the piano, which has been amazing, mm-hmm. um, a wonderful complex, and lots of support there mm-hmm. for the last two years. And um, I've been able, well, now given the opportunity to um, lease a space, which is actually in the um, old Woods Mill building, which is being renovated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was built in 1880. It's an absolutely beautiful building. It's in Addington. And so we've got the ground floor. Mm. And so I'm going to be doing, it's actually just started this week, (laughs) (laughs) a a massive fit out on on myself to um, drive this whole thing and and make, um, turn soul into, you know, what I I envision it to be. And so Mm -hmm. this is the first step. There'll be five studios going in there. So two teaching studios and three music studios to... Mm -hmm. um, really try and um, bring in what I've witnessed overseas. I've worked in a few different academies overseas and Mm -hmm. um, just seen how fast everything is done, Mm -hmm. you know, writing, recording in a day, you know, getting things, getting songs out in a week, Mm -hmm. not, not, you know, years. Well, with, I mean, with technology these days, it can happen, right? You can record it, edit it, upload it. It's there. Exactly. There's so much amazing technology and it's just trying to, teach that and and make that part of the songwriting process and part of just the everyday just being a musician you you record you know um and getting bedroom artists out of their rooms right and coming in and collaborating there's a facility they can use yeah Yeah. so it's it's really important and and working together with people i think a lot of kiwi artists feel like oh i've got to do this by myself with my guitar and Mm. my piano and you know actually the faster it's working as you know working in a team Mm. things happen faster Bounce ideas around yeah. yeah yeah so we've got a campaign running uh to help with that 200k um fit out and um just looking for people that are really interested in in joining the soul community and helping us out mm. i think we're we're the target's 25 
thousand and I think we're on about 18 at the moment we've got about five more days <laughs> so we're just hoping that we can we can make it there and, and all that money will go towards um, supplying and buying um, quality music gear for the studios right. so that the students can can be using um, industry standard gear and and um, be furthering their their skills yeah oh that's cool well mm. we'll put links to everything that we've talked about in the show notes um, but uh, yeah it's a great initiative and I think it'd be good if people could get behind it so definitely keep me informed and I'll I'll put it out in my social medias and various things stuff that I do with seeds yeah. and try to raise awareness. Yeah. And as well, for people who have children or others who are interested, this is going to be an option for them in the future, right? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to talk to any parents out there that have, mm. you know, children that want to pursue um, career. And it's not just children. It's, you know, it's like maybe, um, you know, a lawyer mm. like yourself that yeah, has yeah. got this budding like music. I'm come down, yeah. You know, I've got a guitar. <laughs> exactly. You know why? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people have put their their, their dream aside mm. to just do you know um, something that they thought was right at the time. Yeah. But actually, you know, if they had a little bit of guidance and support and you know, yeah. so we do we do we do classes in the evening and during yeah. the day, so it's not a full time study. So that's really accessible so for give anyone. give people the options, yeah. Mm. Well, my sister, she's three years younger than me, so she was a professional musician for about 10 years. And I saw from, as a brother looking, it, it was a hard road as well, right? <laughs> you know, they released, so hard. they released three CDs over that 10-year period and did a lot of travel around, around the world. Wow. So amazing experiences. But certainly at the very beginning, you're right, there wasn't a lot of support or here's the things that you should know. And so that's great if it can be encouraged. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to say that it's, it's easy. It's, mm. you know, it's a very, very hard industry, mm. but any business mm. that you're starting on your own is hard. Yeah. And so not everyone's going to be able to do it. Yeah. And the, but the thing that underlies it, like some jobs are, you know, there's a lot of paper moving from this place to this place. But for me, music has a way to connect across culture, across language, mm. across time. Mm -hmm. And I think of my great-grandfather who was a musician and wrote uh, piano music. Wow. So he died in 1960, right? Mm -hmm. But I've got the sheet music from songs he wrote in 1932. Wow. <laughs> and so um, if they're played, like it's a little bit of him Amazing. in the room mm. being played. And I just think that ability to connect like music it's it's such a powerful thing and so that must be super satisfying that there's this deeper connection going on and you know I was interviewing a guy yesterday and he said what inspired him to get into social innovation and helping communities was a particular song that he heard at age like 16 yeah. and it changed his life course yeah. and so music does have that power that's more yeah there's there's something there absolutely i think that's probably now why I'm really happy that I did do that music therapy degree right. <laughs> because I think um, you can speak into that I think space my as well. whole thought you know aside from my actual experience as a musician and artist myself but yeah. I actually have this very holistic approach to teaching yeah um, and connecting in the yeah yeah no that's cool mm. so could we go back to is there any song that you've thought of or something that you could oh, sing is there my goodness is um let me have a think. So I'll sing a little bit of my own song, Hey Sugar. 
Hey, sugar. Mm. Ooh, uh, honey. Hey, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. If you ask me how I was riding on the moon last night, with a little twinkle in my eye, I'd say I never felt so high. There's a little gold on my shoulder, on my shoulder, alright. Flick a little dust on you, cause you're riding on the moon tonight. And I say, hey, sugar, mm, ooh, honey, yeah, hey, 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 hey. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I just love the um, something. Uh, we've talked about this already, but there's something about the voice and it just conveys so much more than the written word or, you know, a book. It's, it's just powerful. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people think I'm some, you know, big fat old, you know, lady. Been, been drinking uh, whiskey for years. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get a shock when they see see what I look like. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's about channeling all the collective experience, right? Oh, yeah. All humanity and, yeah. and letting it come through. I think yeah. it's definitely the, the cultural thing, for sure, mm. having so many. I think I've got about seven or eight different cultures in my blood. So Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Well, what we'll do in the show notes, we'll put links to everything. So just send me an email with all the links. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for asking. It's no been problem. awesome. Lovely to meet you. Great. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sasha. I know for me, I just loved hearing about her love of music and how it's developed over the years, and now her willingness to give back to the community. I encourage you to check out the links in the show notes, and it'd be great to gather around her and support this endeavor in our community. Until next time.